Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. What's up? You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. The show starts every Thursday at 7 right here on Seattle Sports 710, broadcasting live from Bellevue Square Center Court. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer, a.k.a. Paul Moyer. How you feeling, man? <laughs> well, I'm feeling better. You know, Sunday was rough last week, and, you know, sometimes you get your butts kicked, and you got to admit it and, and move on. And, you know, I think we're all trying to analyze, you know, what are we right now uh, as a team? Well, here's what I know. We're 5-3. and three. We're in first place in the NFC West. Uh, we got a very winnable game this week, which will still be tough. This is, not a, this is actually a pretty good football team, Washington. Not a great team. Um, but they're good in just about everything they do. And, and last week, you know, look, we ran into a buzzsaw. You, know, you, you look at Baltimore. Baltimore scored over 30 points three games in a row, beat Detroit like worse than us. Uh, and so we knew it was going to be a tough matchup. And I just didn't think we matched up well or we didn't um, respond to their physicality uh, after going into that second quarter. And I guess the, the, my, my final comment is, we just got to play better. It, it's one of those offensive performances where you go, what was it? Yeah, Geno's got to play better. Offensive line got to play better. Wide receivers got to do a better job of getting o- open. The OC got to do a better job of creating things. It wasn't one thing. It was just a culmination of it. And you, you say, okay, we got to move on. You know what I feel like? Hmm. I feel like you just responded the way every fan wants to. Because all I did was ask you, how are you doing? And then you went into, hey, I'm, this is how I'm feeling. This is where we messed up. This is what we got to do. And this is how we get, get past that. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate the candid response because I feel like most fans feel like the way that you just articulated in this moment. Okay, well, if you, how am I doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> my son just flew in with his family, my new granddaughter, who's, what, three, four weeks old. So life is good. I got okay. no complaints. Okay. Um, but I'm also paid to analyze what just happened with the Seahawks. And, <laughs> I feel you. And, you know, I have a little nervous energy, yeah. but I'm also going, like, we're five and three. We're in first place. We control our own destiny. We got two right. games coming up that we, we ought to get right. Uh, we got to play well and, you know, get a chance to kind of figure out w- what we are the next two weeks. No, and I think that's important that you point that out. Good teams are going to get beat. Now, 37-3, one of the worst losses in Pete Carroll's history as a head coach of this football team. I've, I've been telling people all week, I go, look, this is the worst, one of the worst losses in his, uh, in his career over here. We should not expect another <laughs> one this year. It'll be fine. The Ravens did some things that um, complicated things for the offense. And me, I'm looking at the offense because I'm an offensive guy. I go, what could they have done better? I think protection could have been better. I think the routes could have, could have been better. Decisions by Geno could have been better. But you know what? Sometimes it'd be like that. When you look at the defense, what do you see? I think the biggest uh, issue we had last week, let me go through their first six series. First two series, we make them punt play, and play well. Uh, then they have a, a, a long drive, and there were some third-down situations we had a chance on. Uh, just didn't quite make the plays. And there was times we actually had the perfect call. We were in perfect position, and Lamar Jackson is really good, and he actually was faster than uh, Jordan Brooks on one play and got, a, got around the edge. And, you know, those things, those, those things happen. So the first six drives, I'm looking defensively, 
Um, we, we caused two, two punts, uh, two fumbles, or two turnovers we caused, and we gave up two touchdowns. It's 14 points in, in those six drives. You can live with that versus a really good team. Right. Now, we didn't answer it, obviously, offensively, but what was the biggest issue to me, uh, awareness, you know, in, in third down situations. You know, you don't want to be jumping a one-yard route on third and 13. We did a couple of those things that we had scratchers, and we just tackled poorly. Uh, we did uh, you know, a lot of shoulder tackling, and that's what created some of those long runs. I don't think we actually played that bad. And I know statistically it looks horrible. You give up almost 300 yards rushing, 500 yards total offense. They had a 60-yard run, a 40-yard run. I, you know, I could decipher those pretty quickly uh, on that. So never as good or as bad. I know you guys hate to, to hearing that, <laughs> but it's so true. And I'm not going to say five plays completely changed that game, but those five plays made it the score that it was rather than a closer game. Here's what happened as well. Gino goes 13 of 28 for 157 and one interception. The interception, I want to say, everyone everyone was involved in that, right? Because um, Gino checks into a play. Lockett doesn't get the play. He throws the football to where he's supposed to be. Gino Stone, the league leader when it comes to interceptions, he does his thing. So I look at this offense and I go, it was hard to get things going. And when you look at an offense who, only, who wants to rush the ball and they only do it 15 times for 50 or 28 yards, you know that something is off. And uh, I've talked to people all week. They're like, Bunt, you got to run the ball. You got to run the ball. I go, yeah, run the ball is good when you're down 7-0. It's all right when you're down 14-0. Down 23-3, you need to score quickly. And I think that's what uh, the Ravens defense did. They forced this offense to play a game that they didn't necessarily want to play. All right, so I'm going to flip it on you. So what was it, though? I, is, was there one thing last week offensively? Because it, it, it was not a good performance. Yep. You know, we won for 12 on third down. Um, you know, we, we got behind, you know. It, it, that, the, to me, the turning point of the game is it's 14 to 3. We caused a turnover. At worst, you're thinking it's 14 to 6. Right. Maybe we get to 14 to 10. And we turn the ball over the very next play, and we, we fall behind 17 yep. to 3. But what did you see? Do you, and let's just start with the receivers. Start with receivers, okay. Well, I think you always need to start in the box. No, we'll no, start but with I the receivers. receivers. What I saw with the receivers was, one, miscommunication. You got to get on the same page. Two, you got to win your one-on-one battles. When it's one-on-one, this is the worst session in football to me. You go to football practice. And you go through your individuals, it's a progression, right? Then you get to your one-on-ones. Receivers should win their one-on-one sessions 70% of the time, right? And then you get into your seven-on-seven, then you get on the team, you make your progressions there. We were not winning our one-on-one matchups. And I don't know if it was lack of effort, it was understanding what's going on, but I'm looking at the back end when these guys are in man or even in zone, and the Ravens did a good job passing routes off on zone and locking and guys really up one-on-ones. But I also want to talk about the, uh, the box. And I think that the Ravens did a great job of disguising a lot of what they're doing and confusing that offensive line. Because there was one example I've used three times this week. You got three linemen with their hand on the dirt on the right side of the line of scrimmage. You got a one, a one tech, a three tech, a five tech. Then you have a five tech on the left side of that line. The guard is uncovered. So now he's looking towards the linebacker. He's saying, all right, that's my guy. If he does not blitz, 
or go, then I'm going to help my tackle out because the right side of the line is good to go. The backer stays. He drops into coverage. He helps out the tackle. The five tech on the other side wraps all the way around, and he blitzes, and he gets to the quarterback. So you got to tip your cap off to the Ravens and say, all right, you dialed some things up. It always starts with the big boys up front. But the big boys were confused a little bit on the back end. They weren't getting open. And then you combine Geno not making the best decisions, recipe for disaster. So now I'm going to ask you, on the defensive end, what would you see? Well, again, I th- you know, sometimes you just get out coached too. And that's not a negative. I mean, we have really good coaches, but they get paid to, to coach and, and make plays too. And I thought they did some really cool things uh, against us. You know, just some routes, uh, the way they ran some of their, their running plays as well, just some mismatches. And then there's times where I go, oh, we're in a wrong gap. I mean, there was one on the goal line play and I mean, it was just, it was, I, I ran it, I don't know, 20 times. And Dave Wyman and I kept talking about it. And I go, who is responsible for this? And I didn't know if we were in the wrong personnel grouping. And I think it was their second touchdown. And they were on the, maybe the three or four yard line. And they ran, the, 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 the running back was offset to our left. It was just a simple dive play. And they double teamed, we had um, Daryl Taylor inside. They double teamed him. And it was kind of the C gap, and Bobby um, ended up hitting the gap outside. Actually, excuse me, it was the B gap. Bobby hit the gap outside, and I got on, or Diggs, who's got to make a play as the free safety on that. And I'm like, that just can't be right. I mean, I, it, this can't be how we're playing things. You can't give up a, a gap that's – you can't give up the, the front side gap that's right in front of you. Right. you got to force it to at least go a little bit wider. So I thought they did some really good things against us from a scheme standpoint. You know, Lamar Jackson's tough. You know, again, they didn't hurt us in the passing game. We just, again, they came up third and two, third and three. They just kept, kept, kept converting on some of that stuff. And then in the second half, it it just got away from us. You know, I just thought we got really tired. You know, they had had twice as many uh, minutes per um, in in possession time. And they're a physical football team. I think they just kind of wore us out. Time of possession. Thank you. Yeah. um, Third and eight plus. There was a third and 8, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, and 21. That's not advantageous for an offense. But you know what we get to do? Wrap it all up. Come back this week and get ready to go. So when we come back, man, we're going to dive into the next week's opponent. That's the Washington Commanders. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. This is Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer, man. Every Thursday right here on Seattle Sports 710, broadcasting live from the Bellevue Square Center Court. This is what we do. We do. We do do this. And then you get your butts down here and start getting ready for Christmas shopping, man. Get ready. Get ready. Don't Christmas last, shopping man. is my nightmare. I'm not going to lie. It's my nightmare. I don't I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. And thankfully, my wife takes care of most of it for me. Oh, of course. There's many times where I've said, hey, can you open up your gift so I can know what I bought you? <laughs> um, but I, it's the one time I don't do the Amazon thing. I go, I, 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 want, I need to touch it. I need to, it, it's kind of like. You go to the store, you go to the Bellevue yes, Square Center Yes, I come into Bellevue Square. Matter of fact, one of our shows, I will definitely be doing some Christmas shopping. I don't do that. I, I do, and it's kind of like writing a card, right? You handwrite it, 
it's, it's the thought that matters, right? It's not the gift. Mm. And besides that, I already know, I go, there's eight, you know, presents under the tree that I didn't buy for <laughs> and my kids, so. Not me. I will double click, have it delivered. Well, you're. The wife will wrap it up. You're more millennial, right? I'm on that borderline. It's weird where I'm at. Because I, I qualify as millennial, but I identify with X. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm baby boomer. I mean, it's like I'm for sure. So, you know, it, I'm into the technology and all that, but there's still some things that I'm still a little old school on. All right. All right. Well, you know what you're not old school on? Hmm. These stats. All right. Bring stats it don't lie. So let's talk well, about they can the, lie. Uh, yeah, they can lie. But at this point of the season, you still think they're lying? So let, let, all right, yeah. ask, me, ask me if these stats are lying. Okay. All right. So offensively, the Hawks are 20th in the league. Washington is 17th in the league. Defensively, this is overall, the Hawks are 25th in the league. The Commanders are 28th in the league. I always look at weeks 6, 7, 8 and say, okay, that's who that team is. Yeah, the only reason why I think it lies is we had one horrible game last week of yeah. 500 yards. And, you know, that obviously, you know, accentuated the – the, the, the rankings for us, you know, in the, in the wrong way. And we had played so well since week four of the season. Everybody was talking about we're the number one defense since week four. Right. And then we have one bad game, and now we can't play defense. Now, now, now you're garbage. We're five and two. We just beat Cleveland, the number one defense in the NFL. And everybody goes, oh, man, the Seahawks, they're, they're Super Bowl contenders for sure. They got everything. And now we need to bench Geno, and we can't coach, <laughs> and – we're horrible. Why did we trade for Leonard Williams and our defense is going nowhere? That's what one week. That's this. And I, so, you know, social media, we, we've been battling the 12s a little bit. But it's also what I love about the 12s. You're so emotional. And it's emotion more than what we really see. We're a good football team. We played, we didn't play well last week. And it happens, like I said, sometimes you get your tails kicked. All right, so let's talk about what you're going to see or what we are going to see this year or this week. Howell, he's a three-year starter. He was a three-year starter at North Carolina. While he was there, my guy threw for 10,000 yards and 109 total touchdowns. He can play some football. Yeah, he can. Now, the commander said, look, we might have found our guy of the future. I heard that quote. I laughed. I looked at the stats. I looked at the film. I go, okay, they might be on to something. I've been saying this for the last couple of days. I think that Sam Howell physically – will be the bare minimum of the NFL quarterback in the next five years because he's mobile enough to get you. He's not a guy who's going to rush for close to 1,000 yards. He'll probably only rush for 200 yards, 300 yards at the max, but he's mobile enough to where the linebackers have to account for where he is at. And now I'm looking at how they're attacking defenses. They're second in the league when it comes to yards after the catch. Mm. That means that McLaurin, uh, Dotson, uh, Curtis – all these guys are getting the football, and they're getting loose, and they're settling down to who they are. When I look at Sam Howell, I go, you're better than what I thought. I'm not looking at film on Sam Howell week one, two, three, four, five, six. But when it's time for the Hawks to play him, I'm looking at the film, and I go, I understand why the commanders might think they found their guy. Yeah, I mean, look, he's six foot one, 220 pounds. He's just an athlete. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's second on the team in, in, in rushing yards with 157 yards. You know, you don't think of him as you – he's know, certainly not Lamar Jackson, but he can hurt you with his legs. 
and, you know, he's got good numbers. I mean, he's got 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions, a little high there. What's killed him <laughs> is he's taken 44 sacks already this year. Mm. 44 sacks. I mean, Russell Wilson last year did 53 for yeah. a whole season. Yeah. And, you know, through nine games, this guy's at 44. And, you know, hopefully he's at uh, 54 by, by the end of Sunday. But he's more than capable when they got guys that oh, – I'll tell you what our conversation, Bump and I conversation during the break was. We both said, wow, you know, they don't do anything bad. They're good at everything they do defensively and offensively. They just don't do anything great. You don't go, oh, my gosh, that's the greatest passing uh, trio of wide receivers and quarterback. Oh, it's the greatest uh, protection of offensive line and tight ends. But they're good. They're good in everything they do, and so it's going to be a game. I mean, we're going to have to go take it away from them to win. And they've had some good games. I mean, they lost to Philly by 6, or it's 7, 38, 31. Uh, they got beat up pretty good against Buffalo, so their losses have been, you know, against good teams. They had one real bad loss. That was to Chicago, 40 to 20. But I'm telling you, this is a good team, and, and here what they do. They get rid of you know, Chase Young, who's fantastic, and they get rid of uh, Sweat as well. So you think defensively their front four is not going to be good. And what do they do? They go into New England and beat New England, who had just come off a win too. So I know you all think it's going to be an easy game. <laughs> not going to be an easy game. We're not playing great for any game to be easy. But it's a game that if we play to our capabilities, we should win this thing and be 6-3. and three. How has 2,471 passing yards, that's number two, in the NFL. He has 14 touchdowns. That's number seven in the NFL, but he also leads the league with nine interceptions. Like Moyer said, he's been sacked 44 times. The Seahawks had only allowed nine second half points in the last four games until last week. They allowed 20 points against the Ravens. So we're looking at this and we're saying, okay, you're not as bad as that game was against the Ravens. You have to understand that. But this is a game to where you have to reestablish yourself and say, look, all right, we got some guys. We can play some offense. We can play some defense. You have the commanders and the Rams these next two games before you get into that four-game gauntlet we're talking about. If you can win these next two, starting with this weekend, you walk out of here 7-3, and three, you feel really good about your chances going into that four-game gauntlet. Yeah, let's get to 6-3. and three. Rams, you, we know they, they always play us tough, and it's going to be down in L.A., even though we'll have a home field advantage because we'll probably have more 12s there than they will Ram fans. Um, but is there a must game, you know, when you're playing the ninth game of the season for you, right? We're 5-3. and three, It's our ninth game coming up. This is a must win. Yeah, for sure. For us to get to the goals that we have set, and that's to win the NFC West. We're tied in the NFC West at 5-3 and th three with San Francisco. They're going to get better. So we've got to make hay the next two weeks. And we just got to play better. I think more important, we just got to play better so we can feel confident as a team that we're, we're the type of team we thought we were going into the season and that the offense was going to be our strength, not our weakness. And so that's got to flip this week, and we just got to be playing at all levels. Special teams, offense, defense, coaches, start making plays again. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom mm. to get back to it. I, 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 we're going to play well this week. All right, let's get it. You heard it here. Moyer says must win. Do you agree rock with me? Rock bottom, now we up. You agree Started with Started from the bottom, now we here, Moyer. I agree with you. Okay, I just need that in case it doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to be left on an island.
Hey, come join us here at Hogs Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win gift cards from the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Earl's Kitchen and Bar and Cypress Lounge mm. and Wine Bar at the Western Bellevue. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to the center of the Seahawks, Evan Brown. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. You are listening to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Palmas with my guy, Paul Moyer. Every Thursday on 710 Seattle Sports, we're right here at Bellevue Square Center Court. Now we are talking to Evan Brown, the center for the Seattle Seahawks. Evan, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Hey, we're well. We are well, man. I, I am... Uh, I've, I've done my research on you, Evan. As soon as you got signed, I go, all right, let me see what my guy was all about. Versatile lineman. You played the center spot. You played the guard spot. Um, I would assume that center has to be the toughest position. I always talk about the quarterbacks, how it's the toughest uh, position in sports. Uh, but I, I, I put the center right behind that. What do you think about that? <laughs> um, I'd say from a, a mental aspect, yeah. It's, it's definitely up there on the uh, – the the charts there for football in that aspect but physical aspect i mean yeah it's a, another position on the line you know we're we're always fighting our butt off and just you know in constant little uh, dog fights down there for sure well it's it's more than just physical it's it's mental as well um which you, you got to have obviously you know from protection working with the the quarterback is is a center and a quarterback is it similar I don't I don't know if you're a baseball guy but you know we follow the Mariners and we, we think of Cal Raleigh working with the pitchers do you spend a lot of time like a catcher and a pitcher do with the quarterback during the week yeah absolutely I mean we have we have our own times where you know the centers will meet with the quarterbacks you know going over uh, blitz protection early on in the week you know making sure we're on the same page with all our calls based upon what a defense will show uh, you know uh, checks at the line of scrimmage for our run game stuff like that so we're we're constantly meeting with those guys and just you know being on the same same page making sure our communications there and, and making sure you know we're just seeing the same picture as as we see it Evan um, when you guys are away we watched the games together, the pre-halftime and post-game show, myself, Paul Moyer, Brian Walters, and, uh, and Ray Roberts. And we're sitting there, we're watching the game with Ray Roberts. He goes, man, I hate when defensive players point at me when I jump offsides or I, I fall start. So <laughs> then we're watching the game, and we see the center for the Ravens do the same thing to the defense, man. What's that like? What's that interaction like when one guy is false starting or jumping off sides? How intense is that? It, it looked crazy when we were watching it. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, yeah, you see you you emphasize overemphasize the the you know whether it's the false start or the the you know defensive encroachment or whatever they want to call. You overemphasize it. You know, you tend to get the call and you make it kind of obvious that you know the guy opposite you jumping. So. I think that's all that is, and it looks pretty pretty funny for the fans, I'm sure. It looks fun. It looks fun. Well, it, that's all that matters, having fun. <laughs> hey, I, I'm looking at you last year. You, you, you start 12 games uh, at guard, and then the Seahawks sign you really as a center. Do you have a preference, and, and which, which position do you feel you're at best? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if I, I always say if I were to, you know, market myself, I would say I'm a center who has the ability to play guard. I think center is a, a more natural position for me. It's, it's what I've played, you know, growing up all throughout, you know, 
uh, elementary, middle, high school, and into, into college, played both center and guard, but predominantly played center and then predominantly been a center in the league. Um, I think I can play guard. Pers- me personally, I, I prefer left guard over right guard. So, you know, I was playing right guard in, uh, was that 2022 20, for Detroit? Um, but, you know, it's the same thing I always say is, you know, wherever the team needs me, wherever I feel like they feel like I can help the team the most, I'm willing to do. So. Well, you, you've obviously been a pleasant surprise, and there's been some, uh, you know, pro football focus, all those things, and, and where you're ranked right now. And there was, it was a week ago where they said you were the only center who had not given up a, a sack or a quarterback hit. I don't know if you agree with that because, you know, those are other people's opinions sometimes with, you know, wh- whether that was a hit or not. But how do you feel you've played this year? Yeah, I think I've been, been, you know, solid. I think I've had, you know, ups and downs. You know, uh, we've had a, obviously a, a moving offensive line, to say the least, with personnel, and it's just all about, you know, keeping that communication up with us. I think, you know, each guy who's come in and, and you know, done their part and their opportunity, and, you know, all the guys are capable. So, you know, I think we're, we're still gelling as an offensive line and definitely, uh, you know, hopefully trending in the right direction. You know, obviously last weekend not our, our best performance, but, you know, we look back at the film uh, – you know, see what we did wrong, you know, some obvious things that we got to correct and, you know, come back next week even better. Hey, Evan, what's that communication like with an offensive line that's constantly, right, having a couple guys in and out? Are there extra meetings that you call or is it um, just extra communication before practice, after practice? What's it like? Because um, as, as a fan and an analyst, we look at the situation and say, this has to be tough on these guys not having the same five the majority of the weeks. Yeah, I definitely think it is. Um, biggest thing, you know, among an offensive line is is playing together and those reps together. You you start to understand and know, you know, what a guy sees, how he fits a block, how he, he you know, passes off a game. So, you know, the more reps you can get with a guy, the more you understand what he's going to do, you know, in certain situations, you just kind of build off that. So when you do have those moving parts, yeah, it's definitely an, uh, an adjustment to it. But you know, everybody's, everybody's capable that's out there. And it's just about, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page and, you know, that can go into, you know, some extra meeting time with guys, just talking to them about how they see this, how they think they're going to fit that, you know, on the field in the practice field, talking about, you know, your fits on run and pass and how they're seeing stuff and just that, you know, constant dialogue about, about what you're seeing, what you're feeling and, you know, turning that into game performances. Well, I'm going to take you back to uh, your high school days and college days. My, my son and his family just flew in today from Dallas-Fort Worth, and you went to uh, South Lake Carroll, which is in that Fort yes. Worth area. You know, talk about that, because w- my son p- played at Bellevue High School, and we, we played Katy, Texas. And there, look, man, it, the football in, in Texas is real. In South Lake Carroll, <laughs> we were watching film because there was a game. This is probably back in 2009 or 10, where South Lake Carroll, I think, had played Katy, and wow, it was it was impressive. But just talk about your like your high school experience and how you end up getting to SMU. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in South Lake for, you know, nearly all my life. Uh, my parents moved there when I was, you know, three to six months old, give or take in that range. And I grew up there, loved every minute of it. Um, played football pretty much all my life growing up from second grade on. 
Uh, so I was starting on varsity as a sophomore, had an injury to my shoulder and had to get surgery there. So I was out that season, ended up winning state that season. So that's always a, a really nice. fond memory for me. Yeah, it was a, a big one there. So I went 16 and now that was the, you know, always the goal at South Legacy, you know, be playing past Thanksgiving, which is like the fourth week of the playoffs. So that was always the, the goal of our, you know, four out of six weeks of the thing. So then junior and senior years came and went, uh, made it to the third or fourth round each year there, ended up getting knocked out. And then, you know, I was recruited my senior year and ended up committing to uh, SMU. Uh, it was a good combination of, the, you know, the ability to play football at a high level and get a uh, great academic uh, background and, and degree for, you know, what I wanted to do, which was business and finance. So uh, committed there and then, you know, made my way to SMU and was a four-year starter there, played 47 or 48 out of 49 games missed one my entire career there and then obviously uh, after that undrafted to the Giants and then the NFL career started we had uh, JSN on last week and he went to Rockwall uh, high school and I was telling him about this new stadium they're building out there 150 million dollars for a high school stadium we're going to be around 20 some thousand what, what type of stadium was at, at South Lake Carroll and then again we, South Lake Carroll you guys is they're, they're a premier high school football team in Texas and, and across the country. But what were some of the crowds like when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember ever playing a game there when both sides of the stadium weren't completely sold out. You know, it's a town that supports its, its Dragons. And, and, yeah, I think our stadium seats, I don't know, they've expanded it a couple times since before I played and then after now, I think it seats pushing 20,000 now, I want to say. Amazing. But, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a great atmosphere to play in, and, and that's, that's high school football in Texas. It's, it's the real deal. Evan, we call what you just did a flex, right? <laughs> you let us know how great football is in the state of Texas. I'm from hey, California, you know, it, so we, it is. we, we ah. like to think that California is great. You know what I mean? But you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll tip our cap to Texas, man. Before yeah, we get see, out all, of here. All those, all those California schools, they're allowed, they're allowed to recruit. And, you know, they bring in people from all Whoa. over the, the city Whoa. for these couple couple big Whoa. big teams where, you know, we, we get who lives inside our city limits. Evan. And that's it. We're not allowed to Evan. recruit. Only <laughs> private schools can recruit, Evan. Okay. Ah, those are the big <laughs> names, you know? Those are the big name schools that you hear in the, the national headlines. You know what? You just became one of my favorite players because I feel like we can have a beer and talk some stuff back and forth. Man. Hey, there you go. I, I appreciate that about you, man. And I appreciate how you've um, kind of stepped into the leadership role with this offensive line. We've spoken to many players, man, Olu, um, Anthony Bradford, and they all defer to you, man. So for you to come over here and kind of take the lead, man, we appreciate you and we appreciate your time. And uh, let's have a beer and toss some Texas Cali football when we get a chance, man. <laughs> hey, absolutely, and I appreciate that. All right, man, that's awesome. All right, give it a one time for Evan Brown. When we return, we will go around the NFL. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. You know what? We did a little audible. Omaha, Omaha. We got Jerry Reed joining us right now, man. Jerry, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good, man. I'm curious to be on this show again. Hey, we appreciate you. I was so hyped, man. I know that the score was out of hand or whatnot, but I saw you get in and fly downhill and smack a man 
We were hyped to see you make a play, man. We appreciate just the intensity that you play with. No, for sure, man. I just think that's just a part of my game that I said when I got here, just bringing that energy, just bringing that different vibe that this team needs. Um, and just doing my part, playing my role, and just helping this team win games. You know, when you look at uh, who they've drafted, you know, mm -hmm. talking about you, and, and, and Witherspoon, too. And one thing they brought is guys who are physical. And mm -hmm. I really think that's one of the big emphasis on that. Has that always been your game? Look, you're not the biggest guy in the world, but, man, you play big. For sure. Um, I, it grew into me. Uh, once I realized that football is a sport that I'm going to be playing, that I have to be, bring that physicality nature. And um, like you said, the guys they brought in from me, Spoon, Charbonnet, Bobo, we're all physical nature, you know, and I think that's what we need to, one, play this game, but the identity and the DNA of this team. I mean, you can go all the way back to Legion of Boom and know that you see how physical those guys are. The rules have changed, so we can't be that physical, yeah, that's but hard. we can be as physical as the rules allow us to be, you know, and I think that's what we need, and you see how good our defense is because of that. I'm glad you bring that up because I feel like your generation is the first ones to really play with both rules. Yeah. Like, growing up, I'm sure you were taught, stick your face in the tackle, like run through Put the it, screws into his numbers and the whole nine, yeah. Exactly, right? So now, as you make your climb, you get into college, they change things a little bit, you get to the NFL, you can't touch nobody. Uh, what's, what, type of, what type of transition has that been like for you? Uh, just You just got to enhance your skill set. You know, you can't just rely on just knocking the guy out and think you're going to get away with it. You got to, like, take the time and do it throughout the offseason, throughout your training, work on your footwork, work on your technique, work on getting out in and out of breaks without touching the receiver when it comes to covering. And just, you know, just learning the, learning the game. You know, the game is, is going to keep evolving. And the, the more you can adapt and get better at that, the longer you last in this league. And I think that's pretty big for our generation. And some guys figure it out, some guys don't. Oh, it, it, it has changed. You're too young to remember me. I was safety, and back in my, my days with the Seahawks, it was Kenny Easley and Dave Brown. You was hitting? Oh, you was coming down yeah. here? Well, you didn't, they didn't come across the middle. Bang! And then on top of that, we had 63 <laughs> turnovers. We created 37 interceptions, which, again, before flight, the flight. Legion oh, hey, of Boom. Keep going, keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but going. you were in eighth grade when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl with the Legion of Boom. Mm -hmm. Did you really know who the Legion of Boom was back then? I really did, you yeah. know, the, like my position playing DB. I, how could you not know Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas? I got to put my, my boy KJ Wright in there. Like, how yeah. could you not know those guys? You know, Richard Sherman, those guys laid the foundation for one, the Seattle Seahawks, but just DBs and that physical nature and as a whole. You know, you want to be those guys. You looked up to those guys. And those guys' names still hold weight to this day. And any team, any league, any category, it still holds weight. We still talk about it 10 years. 10 years ago, you know, so it's just like that's how the impact they have in this game is very big. And me being a DB, I looked up to that. And as you said, a great I was paying attention to it. I didn't know the ins and outs to a T, but you knew when they ran down there and knocked somebody out, you know what was going on. You know, you cheer for that. So us being former ball players, we know, right? Tough game on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You show up on Monday, you wash it away, then you get back to work. Um, what's that process like for you guys? Is it as simple as that? I, I would assume it is because we've been in those positions. When I played for the Hawks, we weren't very good, so we had to do that uh, yeah, a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what's that process like for you guys? Uh, it's just part of the game, man. You got to just take it, live up to it, you know, and just move on from it. And it's, it is that simple for some guys, and some guys it's not. You know, they take it harder. You know, they get frustrated with themselves. They really look in the mirror and try to change things. And sometimes you need to, sometimes you don't. You know, we're in the National Football League. It's hard to win in this league. And the game we just play, we play against one of the best. The top in the, top in the 
their conference, the top of the NFL in general. And so you can't really beat yourself up. It was a bad loss. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat that. It was a very bad loss, and we wasn't expecting to lose that bad or lose at all. But, you know, it's, just, it's a long season. We're in week 10 of a 20-some week season. So it's, no, you just got to learn from your mistakes, get better, correct yourself, be honest with yourself, and just carry on with it and hope to win the next game and the next game and all the way up to the Super Bowl. They, they always say it's never as good or as bad as you think it is. Um, so when you watch the film, and, mm-hmm. and look, Baltimore's not only are they a really good team, they're, they're hot. Yeah. You know, so you, you got, you got the double whammy there. Yeah. But after you watch the film and you go through the, all the corrections, and some of it was tackling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Look, we're shoulder tackling, maybe getting tired. Maybe it was some scheme. I thought they did some really cool things against you guys as yeah. well. But after you look at that, you go, you know, if we played those five or six plays better and we played them again, we can shut them down. Yeah. Do you feel that after watching it? I think you said you hit it on the tee. You know, there's a lot of missed tackles, and they have coaches in film just like we have coaches in film. You know, they realized that when it came to our run defense, we was very good. And I guess that when they watched film, they found something that, that we was lacking, and they exploited that, and we needed that. And I'm glad that it happened so soon as in week nine because, like I said earlier, we have a long season ahead, and they just exposed our deficiencies, and now we can just work on those, seal those up, and we won't have that problem again. You know, and um, I mean, this is, like I keep saying, it's the National Football League, man. These guys are good, just like we're good. And, you know, you just got to keep getting better, keep evolving, keep correcting mistakes, and, and just hope that you, at the end, you're going to have a great season. Now, w- one of the th- things I love about interviewing younger guys, first year, second year mm-hmm. in the league, is that I get to watch you guys grow, you know? And uh, you seem like, of, of all the rookies, you've kind of been the same this whole time. I want to say you're one of the more mature guys when it comes to Appreciate this. Where do you get that from? Is that mom? Is that dad? Family? Like, where, where does this Jared Reed come from? Mom, brother, the environment I grew up in, you know, just learn to adapt quickly. You know, you can't use the, the, the saying that, oh, I'm young, I can make these mistakes. I mean, you can, but for how long? You know, and then just being brought into this system and this organization with the best and leadership that we have, it's kind of hard to just be complacent and be immature because they're not going to put up with it, you know, because like I said, we have so many great pieces and assets on this team right now that it's like, why not be successful now? Some guys are on their back end of their career. They'll have one, two more years, and they're not trying to wait and just play around and joke about that. This is their livelihood. This is their life. They have families to take care of. And so for me coming as a rookie, I feel like I'm doing them a disservice if I'm not taking this very seriously. And I do. I still have my fun. I still enjoy it. I still joke around and play. But it's just like... At certain times, you have to lock in and do your job. And sometimes, you know, you can joke around and play. And I think for me, it's just being around Quandre, Jamal, B-Wag, Gino. And I just see how they go about things. I just want to be like them, but add my own flavor to it as well. Right. And so it's just, that's just me. You know, everybody's journey's different. You know, there's some guys who are five-star recruits and their mm-hmm. first-round picks. Uh, you were a ju- JUCO kid, junior college. I was a JUCO kid down in Southern California. Okay. There's not a lot of great JUCO, um, I don't want to say teens, but uh, I, I want to almost say community. It, it is in California. They, they, we've lost it up here in the state of Washington. Yeah. I don't even know if there's any uh, more. Uh, it's uh, in up certain here. areas, yeah. And, and then you, you know, again, you're all a branch Mississippi. I know there's some good JUCOs there. In the South, 100%. Talk about, uh, I graduated from high school when I was 17. I think you were young, too. So yeah, I, I, I graduated at 17 as well. Talk, talk about that journey. Why, why did you go to JUCO? How did you end up at New Mexico? Um, the reason I went to JUCO is because I, 
I had a good senior, I had a good high school career, but because of my size, schools didn't want to pull that trigger when it came to like big division one SEC schools. And so I was committed to UT Martin, an FCS D1AA school. Yeah. And I was honestly just, I was going to go there and just live out my career and do what I did there. A JUCO coach came to me and asked me that I want to go bigger, that I had seen myself playing on a bigger level. I was like, of course. And so um, he showed me a, a, a clipboard, had 12 names. He said, these two years, these 12 guys all went Division One from playing under me. You come and give me one year, I'll have you at the next level. And so I went, did my six months, did my one season. He got me that Division One offer to New Mexico. He got my stipend check, Division One lifestyle, the whole nine. And then I just wrote it out my four years in New Mexico. And it panned out, you know, got drafted to CSC Hawks and been going great since then. Man, how, how was it in New Mexico? Because you, you're coming from the South, the, you, the Southwest, you know, that, that had to be a little bit of change for you right there. A hundred percent. I never left Mississippi. I, I took trips, obviously, but like living somewhere else and especially 16 hours away in a whole different region of the United States. Um, it was very different at first, you know, adapting to that, not being around like my own people, my own culture, my own music, my own food and having to adapt and enjoy new stuff, learn how to eat enchiladas and green chili. <laughs> you know, that was a whole another conversation and then just not even having that soul food anymore. But right. you know, it's just part of the journey. Football takes you a lot of places. It opens a lot of doors. And from Mississippi to New Mexico to the Pacific Northwest, you know, I just keep going further and further away from home. <laughs> but I'm just learning to adapt and enjoy what, and just take your, it all in. What's your favorite Mexican food? What, what you like most? I love burrito tacos, man. Yeah. I love them. I got my little spot back in New Mexico. I went back uh, doing a bye week, uh, La Galagasa, man. It's a local, local, authentic Mexican spot. Yep. They honestly don't speak English when you walk in. They don't take credit cards. It's straight cash. Straight it's cash one, it's one of those places. <laughs> but it's like the best tacos you can get, though. First time I saw you, uh, it was during uh, camp, and you were, it was practice, and you were playing the nickel, and you are on a, a wide receiver, and I, I watched your footwork, and I went, oh, this kid is quick. I mean, he, he, he's got, he's got a game on, on everything. But then I, I, I saw you, you're a snowboarder on top of this. Mm -hmm. So tell me just all of your athletic ability. What did you do in high school other than football? How in the heck a man from Mississippi get on a snowboard? snowboard. <laughs> traveling to New Mexico, but no, in, uh, in high school I did basketball, track, I was on a bowling team, just really just tried to test all the waters and figure out what did I really like and what am I actually good at, and I was good at all of those things, you know, very athletic, you know, thank you God, um, but how I ended up on a snowboard was literally just stepping out of my comfort zone, I went to New Mexico, I made friends with guys who wasn't athletes, so like my classmates, and so on the weekends, they like to do cabin trips, going to Purgatory in Colorado, uh, Angel Fire in New Mexico, just taking those trips and just exploring. And I never experienced that before. Never saw mountains before. Never <laughs> slid down a, uh, a slope before. But you know, they took me there. You know, it, it was a rough day. I fell a lot of times, but <laughs> that's part of the journey. Like I said, you gotta enjoy it, man. And um, a great experience. And I've just been snowboarding ever since. 30 minutes away, you got some, some snowboarding here. I seen, I went to Vancouver before I even knew I was gonna come here, got drafted here and everything. I took a trip to Vancouver, same thing, hit the slopes. And um, I know it, it's a lot of snowboarding out here. I got some friends out here, um, Jaden Edwards, she plays soccer in New Mexico, I mean, she played pro with the uh, OL Reign. So she has a cabin, I don't know if it's north, I think it's north, I don't know. She got a cabin somewhere yeah, and, they, and they do snowboarding and skiing north. a lot. And so it's just, 
I just keep keep that in my in my arsenal, though. I like to do that in the offseason and free time. I don't know if it's in your arsenal yet, but what, what's that golf game like? Come on, man. You know I can't golf. You already know that. <laughs> you know I can't golf. Give me 10 years, 10, 12 years when I'm on the back end of my career. I'm retiring. You know how that Love goes. That. And I'll learn how I'll learn eventually. If, but if I suck at golf. If there's anything I can tell you, just pick up a golf club and swing it. Just, just swing it out. I know back end you'll You're take care of it. Just I swing it. I suck at golf. Yeah, like top you do golf, now, but you uh, will be good. Shooting, I suck at golf. It's terrible. Everyone sucks at golf. Just throw that out there for you. I give it. I give it to him. Like Tiger Woods, man. If you if you listening to this, your sport is harder than football. I can say that. <laughs> I can say that. There we go. Hey, well, Jared, man, we appreciate you taking time on a Thursday. Sure, give it up one more time for Jared Reed. Thank you guys, All man. Right. Appreciate you guys for having me on the show. Nah, yes, you're awesome. When we return, we'll go around the NFL. That's next, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. The show starts at 7 every Thursday right here on Seattle Sports, 710. Broadcasting live from Bellevue Square Center Court. Matt Nelson, I love you. Um, uh, <laughs> man, we just were joined by one of Great kid. the most humble rising stars I feel like in this league, man. This guy makes a lot of plays yep. on special teams. He goes down, big hits, defensive player. I feel like he's your type of guy, Moyet. Well, I think he can do a lot. And yeah, he does. You know, back in my day, you had to do a bunch. You know, you had to be really smart. You had to play multiple positions. Um, he's also, you know, there's... Julian Love, there's uh, Diggs, you got Adams, you know, so, so the room is crowded. And when you're young, you get to, you know, earn your stripes and learn. Um, but he's a really good football player. He's become a really good special team player. I have no problem if our nickel went down or one of our safeties that he comes in and, and we don't lose a beat. He's, he's smart. He's tough. Great feet, as I mentioned. So, yeah, it was, and, you know, what a great interview. Great, great kid. All right, so let's go around the NFL right now. One of the stories that um, intrigues me the most is Will Levis yeah. with the Tennessee Titans. The Titans draft a quarterback in back-to-back drafts, right? You have Tannehill, who's the guy, good enough to get you, what, I think they were in the conference championship game a couple years ago, but not good enough to get you over that hump. You got Derrick Henry, who's one of the best running backs in the league. He's on his last leg. Uh, when you look at this quarterback situation over there with Levis, three touchdowns, or maybe oh, four touchdowns his first start, none his second. What's going on going on over there in Tennessee? Well, I mean, look, he, you, you, they have a team. I don't know if they're, they're not. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contending team. Um, their defense has struggled at times too. But you know, when you got a 35-year-old quarterback in Tannehill, who's just—he's 35. He's 35 years old. Wow. I, I believe he's 35. I, I might be off on a little bit, but he's been. I, well, correct me if I'm way off. I'm going to be embarrassed. But um, no, he, yeah, he's 35. I'm actually looking at NASA's notes. So I was right. And he's just that guy that you go. Eh, there's just always something missing. He's always had a pretty good arm. He's right. a, you know, he came out of college. He was pretty athletic. He could run. But he hadn't played a lot of quarterback when he came out. You know, you just got to find the guy that you believe in that can make plays. And look, we, we get that a little bit with Geno at times too, right? 
when things are perfect, Geno's fantastic. And there's times where you've got to have quarterbacks can make plays. And Geno has all the capability in the world. He's got, you know, he's mobile. He can make plays on the run. And I just never saw it from Tannehill. And, you know, now you got this young kid that, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get with rookies. And then you throw him out there and you go, all right, this, this is legit. Right. Um, something I wanted to get to was the fall of the Niners. Something that the Seahawks have benefited from directly, right? But they've been banged up. Trent Williams is banged up. Debo's been banged up. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has not been producing the way that we're used to. Brock Purdy won five games with no turnovers, and he has like five in the last three. They get a bye week. I felt like it was perfect timing for them, just like it was for the Seahawks when it comes to that, that uh, fourth week going into the fifth. Now they have the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of a bye. Jackson, what do you think uh, about the Niners? Well, I think we're going to really know this week because Jacksonville is, what, 6-2. and two. They're, they're playing yeah. really good football. they got a good quarterback. Um, they've good defense. You know, you got a, a head coach who's won a Super Bowl. I mean, there's just a lot of things they're doing well. My gut is the 49ers get it back right. Right. Uh, I, and, the, and the reason why, and it's hard for me to understand why they're not playing well defensively. I, you know, you've got an unbelievable front four. They just brought on Chase Young, who, who didn't play last week because they had a bye week. So now he got two weeks to get into their, their system. So you got two guys coming off the edge. You got tackles who are both really good and, and tough. And actually, they're deep. They're three deep there. I think you have arguably the one of the best linebacker duos in the league I'm you know their secondary is good but to me the big one is just Brock Purdy hasn't his arm strength hasn't come back not that he has a strong arm anyways right and now people are saying okay we're going to force you to do things you don't want to do and we're going to start protecting the middle of the field and what doesn't really he want to do more? He doesn't want to throw outside the numbers. Outside the numbers. And particularly, he doesn't want to. He's a great timing quarterback. In other words, if he feels like he's got the proper coverage and he's got the right um, uh, position with his wide receiver on the DB, he, uh, he's a really good timing quarterback. But he puts air on the ball. And if you've got good athletes with speed and you get a good break on him, you're going to get some interceptions on him. And that's where he's really struggled over the last three, uh, really the last two weeks. But I got a feeling, you know, he, he's coming off, uh, you know, arm surgery in the offseason. I just think he needed another week or two to, to get stronger there. But if they falter <laughs> against Jacksonville, then I've seen enough. That's four games in a row. I've seen enough. I've seen enough in that, that there's a recipe on how to beat them. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean in, in three weeks when we play them on Thursday night on Thanksgiving, it's going to be an easy game. But I'm hoping they lose. I'm hoping we win. We got a one-game lead. We play the Rams. We win again. And we got a one-game lead when we play them on, on Thanksgiving. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win gift cards from the dining district at the Bellevue Collection. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Earl's Kitchen and Bar and Cypress Lounge and Wine Bar at the Westin Bellevue. When we return, it's time for us to go inside the film room. We'll break some plays down. We're talking about Boye Mafe, Geno Smith, big play to DK, and Keaton Mitchell's 40-yard touchdown. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. 
welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumbles with Paul Moore. Every Thursday, we're right here. W Square Center Court, 7 p.m. Seattle Sports. Our favorite day of the week. Hey, this is what we do. This is what we do. We get to eat. We get to talk Seahawk football. I mean, it's not a bad gig. You know, we got our family out here. We got Sarah. We got Renee. We got Mikey over there. And my son and his girl and we got the moyes that was fun <laughs> had a nice photo with my newest granddaughter talia all right but it, now it's time to do what we love to do yeah we love watching film once you're done playing you like to critique <laughs> and that's what we do when it comes to watching film so this first play we're going to watch from last week boye mafe with a strip sack on lamar jackson Second down and four. Hill now comes out of the backfield, lines up wide to the right side. A slot to the far side. Jackson steps up, ball is stripped away. It's on the ground. The Seahawks are diving. Did they get there or not? Let's see. The Seahawks have the ball. I think it's Maffe at the bottom of the pile. As Lamar Jackson reared back to throw, his arm was grabbed. The ball came out, and Boye Maffe who had to try to chase down Lamar Jackson a play or two ago. This time, grabs the fumble, returns the favor, and now the Seahawks have the ball in terrific field position. All right, my defensive specialist, what you see? Man, this is easy. Well, first of all, Boye Mafe is going up against their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley. And Ronnie it was a first-round pick, sixth pick in the draft back in 2016. I mean, he is a legit left tackle. And we got Boye Mafe playing on our right side. This doesn't get any better, the way he uses his hands. And I wish I could, you could all see it. But uh, as soon as uh, Stanley puts his hands up, you get Boye Mafe uses both his hands and just slaps his hands back inside. And so much is, it's not necessarily always the speed rush. It's not that you're always trying to get around the tackle. What you're trying to do is get around, you're trying to get your, around the edge, and you got to get their hands down and get your shoulder, you know, kind of parallel to the, to the line of scrimmage at some point. This is such a good rush. I mean, this is Pro Bowl type of stuff. What we have with Boye Mafe is the real deal. He, he has a chance to be one of the best outside linebacking rushers in mm. Seahawk history. He has that kind of ability and his maturity on this. As a matter of fact, you know, we got Derek Hall who's on the other side. You know, they're. they're the, the maturity and the rush and, and technique, Mafe's light years still ahead of him. And Derek Hall is going to be a great one, too, for us. But Boye Mafe, where he is in his second year, man, this is good stuff. Man, there's and, a... and, he's, and he has the wherewithal as he gets around. Not only does he, he could have sacked him, he knocks the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands. Oh, and, and he recovers the ball, too. <laughs> it's a pretty good play. A little bit of everything. Yes. There's a reason why wide receivers and edge rushers talk because there's some similarities in what they're trying to do, right? And me being a wide receiver and I'm one-on-one with a DB or a safety, he does a lot of the things that we try to do. If you look, right, he takes, he has his right foot forward, left foot hits the ground, the second time his left foot hits the ground, he shifts his weight inside just enough to make that tackle believe he's going that way. And that little hesitation allows the weak hands and for him to slap his hands down and boom, get around the outside. So when I watch edge rushers, it gets me excited. 
because I look at guys like Boya Mafia and I go, he understands how to get a defender slightly off balance. Because as a receiver, that's all we're trying to do. I'm trying to get you to, to second guess yourself for a split second, and that's going to give me the advantage. I think that's exactly what happens. But what he has on us is that now you got to get physical. Now you got to bend the corner. Now you got to get to that get to that quarterback and not get too far upfield and make a play. It's beautiful when I see an edge rusher do what Boye Mafe does. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see the first part you talked about where he stuck him. He stuck inside. And what ended up happening with the, the tackle at that point, he got overextended now. So he, he you know, it was, it was, it, from a golfing standpoint, I guess I would say, you know, he's, he's, he's too far out in front right. now. He's just got right. bad balance. And Mafe recognized that and, and worked the hands. There's a lot of good things that's going on with that front four. Mavic, Leonard Williams has a really good rush. Uh, Jaron Reed, who's double team. You know, the pocket's collapsing on t- as well. So there really wasn't anywhere for Lamar to step up, right. which allowed Mafe. And you, you mentioned another word, bend. You, you've got to be able to bend in, and really get low and get your shoulders, you know, parallel to that line of scrimmage so you can all of a sudden make that, you know, quick turn. I'm telling you, man, this boy ain't Mafe. Yeah. Man, how many sacks you got? Yeah, six now. Six. Six in six consecutive weeks. Six. Oh, man. Ties a franchise record. And his quickness. I mean, I I thought he was pretty good coming out of college out of Minnesota. Had no idea he was going to turn out to be this good. So, really good stuff. All right, this next play. Geno Smith finds DK Metcalf for a 50-yard bomb. Play fake. Geno wants to throw. Steps up in the pocket, looks, fires down the middle. Ball is caught. Metcalf across the 40, down to the 30, down to the 20. Steps out of bounds on a beautiful crossing route. That time, Gino had lots of time. He waited for DK to come across the middle. He did. They're actually going to say he stepped out of bounds back by the 25-yard line. A 50-yard pass and run from Gino on the perfect throw to Metcalf on the crossing route. This right here, Moyer, is uh, just what you needed at that point, right? You got three receivers to the right of Geno. You got a, a tight end to uh, attach the line of scrimmage to the left. And these guys are in, it looks like, uh, a cover three, maybe, depending on what's going on on the backside. But um, what I like is just the spacing. As a receiver, I don't like a lot of guys in my area, Moyer. I like spacing. I like to know this guy's taking that guy vertical. This guy's taking the safety that way. And that's exactly what happens. DK's at the number one receiver spot. Tyler Locke is at number two. You have a tight end at the number three spot. The, the number three tight end goes, look, I'm going to run like a deep cross, maybe even a post. I'm going to take that linebacker that's running with me and then the eyes of that backside defender. And what's going to happen with Tyler Lockett? He's number two inside of DK in the tight end. I'm going to run that corner. I'm going to occupy that cornerback over there. And then DK has the dig going underneath all of that. So, Geno Smith is banking on everybody occupying receivers and then DK being able to go across underneath. And then, like you pointed out during the break, the timing of the throw is probably what's most impressive. Well, I think this shows the potential. This is what we saw last year, and we see it at times this year as well, is 
when Gino has time, and he has pretty good time, they actually they widen the pocket for him so he can actually step up and make this throw. It's a very long developing throw. As a matter of fact, the ball is a 23-yard throw downfield. It's a long throw for a dig route or a deep end. I think they're playing kind of a Tampa 2. And the reason why I say that is, is the number three, it, the linebackers running with the number three receiver hard down the middle. And again, I, it's hard to tell. I mean, it could be... A, a soft quarters up top. I, I don't know. It's, it's some form of two or quarters uh, to an extent. But if you give them time and DK, you know, is allowed to run these deep routes, you know, you can get some big plays. But I'll tell you what, this throw is so good. The, the degree of dif- difficulty on this throw is, is a 10 plus because he throws the ball before uh, DK actually flashes open. And DK's running and puts his hands out, and, I mean, it couldn't hit him any better uh, in the hands. And then DK does what he does and, and takes it another 27 yards upfield. You know, I would have liked to see him maybe got a few more yards on this one. You know, with, this is a chance we finally, we were down 14 nothing at the time, got us to, to you know, it would have been nice if we could have got to 14-7. to seven. But, you know, we end up getting a field goal uh, on this. So, uh, But, it, again, b- great play, great protection, great throw, great route. You know, it's the ability's there. We just need more of it. All right, this next play, Keaton Mitchell, 40-yard touchdown. Second down and five. Mitchell with the handoff again, and he's off to the races, and he is gone. Are they going to catch him? Woolen can't. No. Touchdown, Baltimore Ravens. And that's a Seahawks defense that has just been up against it all game long. And finally, they break. And Keaton Mitchell races to the end zone from 40 yards out. And Baltimore is blowing this thing open now, 35-3. to Well, first of all, it's holding. This play should absolutely be called back because they just, I won't even say the word, but to Draymond Jones, it, I mean, he's got him by the jersey. He darn near picks him up. And, and throws him on the ground. I, and it's at the point of attack. This is a hold. It's a hold. It's a hold. Throw the flag. <laughs> um, and with that, it's a really good run. Uh, it, it's a really tough spot for Jamal Adams because of the way this breaks out and wide. Um, and I think what Steve said, too, man, I just think we were gassed. Yeah. But if they don't allow the egregious holding on this play, there's not a play on this thing. And so... Sometimes it happens, uh, you know, refs don't help you. Yep, I agree 100%. There's some holding there. I feel like guys were in the right position. A linebacker could have scraped down the line of scrimmage a bit There's more. There's two but holds, you know, by the way. It is what it is, and thankfully we don't have to look at this film no more after today. All right? All right, so when we return, it's time to talk that talk. Moyer and I will square up and be like, look, man, let's see what Cheaters. What, Let's see what happened here. Also, let me let you guys know. Make sure you go out to Bellevue Collection Dining Directions. So many great restaurants to choose from. Today, we had our pre-show meal at one of our favorite places, Earl's Kitchen and Bar. Man, I had sliders. You had a crab cake. My guy had the wings over there. They got a great holiday set menus featuring dishes and cocktails like the holiday margarita and the sangria. Amazing happy hour food starting at $4 and drinks at 5 gift cards for holiday shopping all that you guys go check out earls when we come back we'll talk that talk that's next right here on hawks live it's time to talk that talk with michael bumpus and paul moyer on hawks live welcome back to hawks live i'm michael bumpus with paul moyer we got our soldiers left 
I'm flexing right now. We had a stream. You guys will see me looking like I weigh 225, but I'm a buck 95. Are you buck 195? 195. All right, that's good. Yeah. You know. You lifting? You working out? I, I do something. Okay. You know, I do old man workouts now. It's like, oh, flexibility. Flexibility. You do some push-ups, some rotational no weighted movement. squats. You know, you know what's messed up is my workouts cater to my golf game now. That's how you know. That's where I am. You're doing a lot of back at, stretching. Yeah, rotational rotation. stuff. Rotational I'm stuff. the same way. I do I do these yoga things every morning. I stretch, and it's all about making sure my back is good to go. I'm, right. I'm, I th The weather's supposed to be so bad Saturday and bum, but we've got a, a tea time at Newcastle Saturday. Yeah? Yeah. What time? I think 9 a.m. 9 a.m. And I could probably shoot 125. <laughs> or you can shoot 75. You know I, how this game goes. I'm go. thinking it's going to be more in the 120 range. All right, 120? Yeah. Don't do that to yourself. Well. I, no, I can't see you shooting 120. I you want, you no, can grind it out. I'll, I mean, I'll shoot a score, but I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Talk That Talk. That's where Moyer and I, uh, we debate a little bit. Me and Moyer debating? What? Never, not us. You and I, we have, um, what would you say we have? What, like our relationship? Yeah, I mean, uh, I we can speak the truth. It's, it's, Sometimes we get a little sensitive, each of us, right? Sensitive? A little bit. Nah. Not like a sensitive sense, but sometimes we go, that's my man. Did he just say <laughs> that about me? That's how you know we love each other. Right. Exactly. Right. So I don't know how to describe it. You guys describe it for us. Yeah. And we'll just talk. I think talk. it's a good relationship, though, so personally. I, I but think it is. That's just I, me. me, too. All right. The first one. You want it? You want me to want me to do it? You're the leader. All right. Uh, hey, look at you. See? Trying to soften me up before you tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I get what you're doing right now. I ain't falling for it, Moyer. All right. This is what we got. Hey, the beatdown the Seahawks took in Baltimore will be the turning point in their season. Ooh. Yes, no, maybe so. What do you think, Moyer? Um, here's why I'm going to say yes, um, because I think this next game, if we if we just play well, we we get this thing right, and then we got the Rams, and we have a chance to really get it right before we go on the gauntlet. If we if our if this week we had Philadelphia, I may not say that, you uh -huh. know, because I've seen it where you all of a sudden you get beat bad, and then you play another really good team, and you. You just you lost your confidence, and, and it takes just an ugly win to, to flip that. And I, I've got a million examples of that. Um, so I'm going to say yes. And we played a really good team, I, whatever it was. It, to me, it was. I, I looked at the film over and over, and I go, man, this is one that I go, coach, got to do a better job, got to make better decisions. We got to be more physical. It, it's not as bad as it, you think it is. I mean, we needed to make a couple plays. I just told you about the one. 40-yard run that there's two holding penalties. Refs got to do their job too, right? It was just a perfect storm. We played a hot team. We weren't playing great, but we came off a really good win, win against Cleveland. And maybe we got a little false sense of security of we're playing better than we are. Right. And now we got smacked. And we said, oh, that's what we got to be to be to win the West and be a Super Bowl contending team. So I'm going to say yes, and we're going to right the ship this week. Okay. I'm going to say... No, it's not the turning point. And the reason why I'm going to say no is because I think one time throughout the season, good teams just get their butts kicked. Yeah. And it, it just happens that way. So I don't think it's a turning point. I think it's a uh, awakening. Like, all right, guys, remember, you're playing a good division. Where they're playing the AFC North is what they're playing. They got uh, Ravens, Baltimore, yep. Steelers. Who am I missing? 
and the Bengals. And the Bengals, right? So you're going to have to play a good conference, maybe the best conference in football right now. Um, so a, uh, a turning point, no, I would say like a smack in the face. Wake yo, you know what up? Yeah, I'll take that. All right. Um, let me go down to this one. This is a big game. We mentioned earlier that the, the Washington's a good football team, not a great football team. They got a good quarterback. I don't know if he's great, but he's good, and he's mobile, and he's throwing for a lot of yards. The one weakness is he's given up. They, they say he's been sacked 44 times. Man. And we've had a tendency when we play a team that's it struggled there that we, we put the hammer down. So my question is the Hawks will sack Sam Howe at least four times Sunday. And as I mentioned, he's been sacked 44 times this season. 44 times in nine games. Somebody do the math. It's over four. Five. Mrs. Rogers says five per game. I'm just going to say what the numbers say. And I'm going to say yes. You know what? And Boye's going to get two. I know. Two. I was thinking that. Okay. And DT's going to get one. Derek Hall is going to get one. Jay Reed's going to get one. There's your five right there. I'm with it. I'm going to go with six then because Leonard Williams is going to get one too. Okay. All right. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think we'll, you know, it, it helps when you got the lead. So we need to get to a good start. We need the offense to, to execute early. If we can get these guys into passing situations, you know, Sam Howell's a rookie. Rookies make mistakes, and he can make some plays. They got some speed at receiver. Um, but, yes, we're going to get at least four. At least four. Yeah. All right, I'm with that. Here's the next one. The Seahawks are running too much 11 personnel and not enough 13. First, you got to tell the people what that means. 11 versus 13. Well, that's your job. My job? Yeah, you're off. All right, so 11 means you got one running back. You got one tight end. 11, 13 personnel means you got one running back. You got three tight ends. That means everybody in the tight end room is on the field with a running back. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they need more 12. Put some 12 in there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. By the way, just so you know on these personnel, it's got to add up to five, right? So... What do I mean by that? So 11 personnel means you got one running back, one tight end, and now I've got three wide receivers, right? So I got one, I got one, it's two. What's left over are the wide receivers. 13 personnel, I got one running back, I got three tight ends, that's four, so I got one wide receiver. I think you need... Hey, so that's why I say go ahead and explain it. No, I was just I was clearly, adding to clearly it. clearly I didn't do it. No, I thought you did a fantastic job. job, except the one person out there, they were scratching their head. I was just <laughs> trying to help. But how many wide receivers? So it's it, we add up to five, but they give the first two numbers there and how many running backs and, and tight ends, and then you figure out how many wide receivers from there. Um, I, I think we need more 12 personnel. I really do. I, and look, this is... This is a challenge now. This is tough for Waldron. I think it's tough for Pete. You just drafted JSN in the first round. We've got three Good great point. wide receivers. I can make an, a case we got five great wide receivers. Throw D. Eskridge in there. Throw Bobo in there with uh, you know some. Uh, matchups, particularly down the red zone, and he's good in, in, in the running game with his blocking. But man, I got three fantastic tight ends, and Will Disley is—he re- only played 11 plays last week. I mean, he was our number one tight end at one point. All right, here's my question though yeah. for you. So you want to see more tight ends? You want me to tell you why? So you're okay with less JSN and Bobo? You're fine with that? Look, I, I think it's a tough call, but I think from a protection standpoint. It's more important that we protect Geno longer to let some routes develop longer. 
And so that's the only reason why I'd like to see more 12. I'd like to see some 13 in there, too, just so we can run the football. You know, all of a sudden you can you get a form of an unbalanced line when you throw three tight ends out there. And let's play some power football, man. Let's play. Put, get, give me Anthony Bradford when he's healthy. And, you know, hopefully we get Abe Lucas back, too, as well. And I'm like, throw three tight ends out there. I want to wear some teams out. Right, I'm not saying question. a steady diet. But last week, you had 90% of the snaps went to um, Tyler Lockett. 87 went, uh, I think it was around 87% went to uh, DK Metcalf. And 82% was JSN. I, I had less than 10%, around 10% with Disley. I, it's just, it's fallen off. And it, it may be the right thing, depending on matchups. I just want to see a, a more balance. And I get it. It's going to dictate the score, too. If all of a sudden you're behind, you're going to go with three wide receivers or 11 personnel. All right, but early in the game, that's where you have to see, like it. see a little more Early when it's 0-0, zero, zero, yeah. whatever the score is. My scripts. Where you can do it. Your My scripts. Scripting. Your scripts. And you then sc- from there, you let the game dictate. Would you script 10 or 15 plays to start the game? Um, well, I'm a 15 kind of guy. Actually, I'd do 18 because I think I got 18 in me. I don't understand <laughs> why they – why don't they script 30? Right, and I know you've told me because of down the distance and third downs and all that <laughs> stuff. But I go, if the first 12 to 18 plays scripted work so well, I'd script more. All right. <laughs> script more. Do That's I got time for one more? One more. Oh, uh, we do. We do. All, all right. right. Let's get I'll, it. I'll Let's do that get one. It. All right. All right. We got to go quick. Geno Smith, he's, you know, look, the last three games, he's, he's had some turnovers. Uh, Geno Smith this week will break his turnover streak this weekend versus the Commanders. No turnovers. No turnovers. You know who's gone? Who? Chase. Yeah. You know who who's gone? Sweat. Sweat. Yeah. You know who he ain't playing? Who? Barton. Okay. <laughs> He's not? My guy Barton. He's I on the IR a, right now. He's on play. the IR. I love me some Cody Barton, yeah. and I've gotten a lot of flack for liking Cody Barton, but you know what? I'm going to say this is the week. You know why? Because they're going to establish the run game. We're going to see more 13. We're going to see more 12. We're going to see tight ends out there. And uh, we'll be able to establish the run, get everybody to bite, and boom, you're over the top. Gino's going to have a beautiful picture of space. When he's throwing that football, I'm with it. Gino's going to have three touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers. Got to have it. Three would be the most most, uh, of the year, for sure. Well, I I think um, there's a lot of talk amongst each other. I think the wide receivers, the quarterback, the offense coordinator, the head coach, they've had a really good conversation this week. They're going to all be on the same page. I think Geno's going to let this thing fly. All right, let it fly. Shane Waldron, let him let it fly. But I also want to see quick game. Oh, for sure. A lot of of times I'm looking at the defense and I'm saying, look, Throw a hitch, throw a slant, throw an out. We'll be I, good to go. I'm going to save my question for our last segment. You got it. You got I'm going to ask you about RPOs. Gotcha. All right. All right. Well, when you return, I will answer a question about RPOs. We'll give you our final thoughts and our keys to victory. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Michael Bombas with Paul Moyer, a.k.a. Paul Moyer. And before the break, you said uh, you're going to save a question. I am. I'm interested. Usually when the co-host says, I'm going to save a question for you, during the break, he goes, hey, man, this is what I'm going to ask you. He ain't say nothing to me, folks. He ain't say nothing to me. We, All right, so we were talking about something else that we won't talk about. Um, <laughs> and it was football, but we'll, we'll, too, too, not enough time for that. 
So I came from an era that we didn't have RPOs, right? I mean, run pass option. And today it's it's everywhere. Oh man, it's it's predominant. I mean, I, I one I'm going to ask you to explain a little bit, and more part, I go, how much do the Seahawks do you think use it? Mm. And there were some opportunities last week, and actually even Tony Romo talked about some plays that you know, maybe Gino didn't see, where all of a sudden they were showing a blitz and there was one guy covering two of our guys out wide, and that, that should have been just a quick throw. And then they did it again, and we still didn't do it. And I think they did it again, and I don't know if he was 100% accurate, but I remember him saying that. How much is in the game? Is every play an RPO? I think that 65 to 70% of plays should be RPOs. When you're in that yardage, second and five, third and four, those to me are the RPO yardages. Or on first down, you do whatever you want to, right? Second down, I feel like you should know what you want to run according to the distance. Um, as far as how often do the, do the Seahawks run RPOs, I don't think as often as maybe the Eagles or the Miami Dolphins because – the reason why I think that is because I'll look at a handoff and I'll look at the slot receiver. The slot receiver is the key receiver in these RPOs because who you're reading, you're reading defensive ends, you're reading outside linebackers, you're reading safeties as they drop down because what you're doing is you're saying too many numbers in the box, boom, I'm going to get it out quickly. Your slot receivers are the guys who are going to get the ball quickly. So I think that if there's anything, I'm glad you brought that up because I felt this way. I think that if there's anything the Hawks can do better at, are running RPOs. Because if you have a quarterback and receivers who are on the same page, you will always be right. And even if it's a three- or four-yard pass, that's just as good as a three- or four-yard run. Okay, so let me ask a follow-up question because you kind of said we need more running RPOs. Can you have a passing run RPO? Look, I get that – you know, an RPO is, you know, we have a running play. So the offensive line, they don't know. This is on the quarterback and, and the receivers, right? And so they're going to block like it's a run. And the old days we had check with me. We might check the other side on a run or maybe you would audible out of a, a run because you see up front and you got, you got an audible to a pass. Today they don't do that. They say we're going to run and if we don't like it, we've got this quick pass over here because it's got to be quick because right. if it's not, they're, they're going to have linemen downfield. Uh, in that situation. So, I, and again, I'm asking the question, can you have a pass run RPO? Or it's, it's not to always be a, a run pass option. If, if you want to have a pass run, there has to be a check before the okay. ball is snapped. All right, because like you mentioned, block. <laughs> you're going to, your offensive linemen are going to get downfield and, and it's going to be all bad. Okay. So what you're looking for is you're never going to have an RPO that's going to hit 30 yards through the air. It's going to be a five- or six-yard game because what do you have? Three yards with the offensive lineman getting downfield before there's illegal men downfield. Yeah. Um, but it's an art. And, no, and it's it, tough. Tough for defenders. Yeah, it is, right? I mean, really hard. You're reading the key. You think it's a run, and all of a sudden the ball's thrown, and you're right. like, wow, it's not a play action, uh, you know, which you have different rules for. So I mean, because what, what are your rules? What are your, as a defender, as a safety who, who would walk down on the box, you see a tackle block down, you see a guard a pull, run. you're thinking run, run all day. So I treat it as run, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And play action is different because – 
they fake like it's, it's a run, but they don't really go cross the line of scrimmage, and then receivers are releasing. So usually a tight end's releasing and trying to cross face a, 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 a linebacker, but you read the keys. You go, aha, I see flow. As soon as you, you got to feel that release, and then you turn and run, and usually play action and bootlegs. They're pre-designed plays. You yep. see film, you know exactly. You just run to the spot. Um, whereas in RPL, I don't know what you're doing. Right. You know, it's a, it's, it's a tough, tough game. So I, th- I think we need to do a little bit of that against uh, Washington some, this week. Some RPO. Yeah. I'm with that. Let's get her done. I'm with that. Um, something else you need to see. Anything from the defense that you feel like this needs to happen for this team to have success? I, I think it's just simple. I, I think we just need to tackle better. That, that's what got us. Uh, I, we, we'll cover these guys. We match up well. I think our secondary is still playing well. I, big runs, it, that's usually a, on the secondary, just poor uh, angles, poor reads, but if you really were to put one emphasis last week, we, we shoulder tackled a couple times and it cost us some big plays. All right. Big game this weekend. It's huge. Every, I, to me, every, it's a bit of the season. Every weekend is a championship opportunity, according to um, our guy, Pete yeah, Carroll. Yeah. But you got the uh, commanders and the Rams before you get into that gauntlet. It starts here with this one. No easy games. We got to go play well. And you better start playing well this week and the following week. And then we get into the gauntlet where we got to really play well. All right. Hey, special thanks to Evan Brown, Jared Reed for joining the show. Um, our, 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 excuse me, our board operator is Max Strobel. On-site engineer is Matt Nelson. Production assistant is Chauncey Sanders. And our executive producer is Nasa Choby. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumas. With my guy, Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.